Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Never say never, but never. I plan on leading this team with an unwavering standard. Everybody love everybody. We will call it the golden standard, and this is the standard that will drive this football program to its 12th national championship. With Sean Styers. I like that guy. Yeah, what you could do is, is you could have a barbecue on that it's head. A good time, you know what I mean? On Sports Radio 960 AM, double. USBT. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. And now your host, Sean Styers. Hey, ho there. Happy Wednesday. Hope you're having a good one today. Rained earlier today. Finally cleared off and not looking great for Friday for the start of South Bend Cubs baseball. Keep your fingers crossed that it does not rain Friday, but uh, we are looking at South Bend Cubs baseball in just two days in Major League Baseball starting mañana. So uh, looking forward to that. Got some news today uh, surrounding Notre Dame football. They've landed a grad transfer from Harvard. Didn't come at a position I would have expected them to go out and get someone. I would have thought, obviously, wide receiver is at the top of the list secondary, specifically a a cornerback maybe, you know, that would be a need as well. But it's a defensive tackle, Chris Smith from Harvard. And he was a good good player, as you would expect. Uh, Minnesota had been trying to get him to go there, and he had originally uh, committed to go there from Harvard. But the Irish were able to flip him. So this guy's 6'2", 293 pounds. He was all Ivy League this year gives the Irish some good depth on the defensive line. He had 40 tackles, three and a half sacks in 10 games this season. So Chris Smith from Harvard coming to Notre Dame to use his grad transfer. And we'll talk more about this at 5.30 when Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com joins me to talk more Notre Dame football. But we got more news regarding Notre Dame football today. Not really new news, but different insights I guess, you know, we got the news yesterday that Notre Dame's going to break with tradition and play an FCS school, also an HBCU school, Tennessee State University, located in uh, Nashville, or at least the Nashville suburbs. That is going to be uh, next season, 2023, will be the second game of the season. The Irish are going to open next season in Dublin, Ireland against Navy and Again, when I say next season, talking the 2023 season, not this upcoming season. Some people like this, though. Some people, not so much. Darren Pritchett did a a, a Twitter poll on this this morning on a Sportsbeat AM radio show. He had it. It is um, just a shade to one side of not straight down the middle, but it is pretty much down the middle on this. It is very close when he polled folks on what they think about Notre Dame playing Tennessee State. A little over 51% say they are good with Notre Dame playing an FCS school. 
And a little over 48% say they don't want Notre Dame to play NFCS schools. So 51% yay, 48% nay to breaking with tradition. Notre Dame, the last FBS school in the country that has not played an FCS school ever that is going to end next season. So, uh, you know, 51%, 48%, if it was an election, <laughs> we'd be here for months uh, recounting the results. But we're not. Sample size, small, but still very close. Athletic directors, head coaches from both schools held a joint press conference today to officially announce and discuss this news. Jack Swarbrick, Marcus Freeman from Notre Dame, along with Mickey Smith and head coach Eddie George from Tennessee State University. George wore a sweet blue suit, man. He was um, blue, kind of royal, colored blue. And, you know, Tennessee State's colors had a white shirt and the blue tie to go with it as well. Just looked massive sitting there in front of the media today, as massive and in good a shape as he was back in his playing days. But he's in his second season as Tennessee State's head coach right now. They were 5-6 and in his first season in 2020. One. Let's start with Jack Swarbrick and his opening statement on how he says this game came to fruition. This is a special day for us, um, and and we couldn't be more pleased with this announcement. the The um, beginning of it for me dates way back, and that is that uh, in my prior life, where I spent a lot of time working with the Indiana Sports Corporation, we hosted the Circle City Classic, and uh, Tennessee State was participated in that game six times while I was there, seventh after I, after I left. And that was one of the best events of the year, the excitement around that event. Um, there are alumni coming to our city, uh, the bands, the game, and, and it had always been a goal to try and bring some of that here if we could figure out a way to do it. As you know, our scheduling matrix is so complicated that you're always sort of trying to find that opportunity and it happened to present itself with the way this year's schedule worked out. And so when we saw the opportunity, uh, we were thrilled when we reached out that Dr. Glover and Dr. Allen and Eddie all were enthused about the, the opportunity. I can't thank them enough, Father Jenkins as well. Um, and of course, um, Marcus and Ron Paulus who played a lead role in putting it together for us. It was, it was a lot of people coming together very quickly to take advantage of the opportunity. And I think it's going to be a really special day for the University of Notre Dame and our program. So there's Jack Swarbrick and talking about the Circle City Classic when he was with the Indiana Sports Corporation down in Indianapolis. And the Circle City Classic is an annual football game that features two historically black universities, HBCUs, that play in Indianapolis, and according to the talking points on uh, the uh, the website regarding the Circle City Classic, it draws an average of 175,000 people from across the country to uh, be part of a, a football event in Indy, and it's uh, going to be played on September 25th this year. So that's where, you know, kind of the origins when uh, Tennessee State apparently used to play there when Jack Swarbrick was uh, down in Indy. Eddie George, the head coach at Tennessee State University, they are uh, located again in Nashville. He was, of course, a Heisman Trophy winner at Ohio State in 1995, first-round pick by the Houston Oilers, who then became the Tennessee Titans in Nashville 
a couple uh, just um, a year after he was drafted. He was drafted in '96 and '97. They moved to Tennessee, hence the connection to the state of Tennessee, the city of Nashville, and where the school is located. Marcus Freeman also played at Ohio State, but from 2004 through 2008, long way from an overlap between the playing careers at Ohio State of those two, but an OSU connection that uh, made a lot of people kind of leap to that as a bridge for this game to happen. And so let's hear from the coaches about that. Did that Ohio State connection play into this uh, game happening? Well, it, again, it's it's going to be, I think, a storyline that both of us played Ohio State, but this is so much bigger than Ohio State. This is about Notre Dame and its first opportunity to play in HBCU, and I think it's uh, that's where our focus is going to be, obviously, as a football program, um, and, and that's um, something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, uh, it had nothing to do with it at all. Um, I, don't th- I don't think me and Marcus never really talked about um, playing each other based off of Ohio State. It's just uh, it's coincidence. Um, you know, when I got wind that we were going to play Notre Dame, immediately I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know? But when I really uh, looked at the opportunity for uh, our kids to come to this uh, university and have an opportunity to play in a national stage, um, to show um, really the nation what Tennessee State is all about holistically, you know, the colleges, the pageantry, our tradition, our rich history, uh, not just in football, but just as a university, um, was a wonderful opportunity. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's bigger than that, you know. Uh, so it's not often that you have a chance. It's the first time it's been done to have a chance to compete against the best. And we preach that we want to play the best anytime, anywhere. And um, it's just a wonderful opportunity that presented itself. And I'm glad that uh, we made it happen. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, Tennessee State is glad that they were able to make this happen. It's going to be huge, the exposure they're going to get from this, being on national TV, on NBC, playing at Notre Dame Stadium, and and, uh, everything else that comes with it. And that, of course, was Eddie George there at the end. Marcus Freeman started off the comments, you know, regarding what about that Ohio State connection. So what was the previous relationship between these two guys? Well, he's a little bit older than me. Um, a little bit. But I grew up uh, in Ohio, obviously, and, and grew up watching Eddie George and many other great Ohio State players. And he won the Heisman. So I grew up more of a fan than anything. But we got to know each other, obviously, when I was at Ohio State and even after my time at Ohio State. But um, – you know, other than that, you know, the personal connection is it probably ends right there. But again, we'll say it again. This this game wasn't created because of our Ohio State connection, but other than the opportunity for us to play Tennessee State. So uh, the opportunity to play Tennessee State was it. And why Tennessee State then? Jack Swarbrick, because uh, they could have essentially picked any you know other HBCU they wanted. He talked about the connection to the Circle City Classic and and that kind of stuff. Here's more from Swarbrick on why ultimately Tennessee State was the choice for Notre Dame. It involved first some research about the state of programs, and you know I, I had no idea how many national championships they've won. And you see that number, and you, you say, "Oh, this is a pretty good match." You know, this they won more than we have. Um, and some of the iconic people who played for them. But, but I'll tell you the thing that struck me the most as we considered our options was the trajectory of this program. I mean, what, what they're achieving, whether it's the evaluation of adding hockey in partnership with the Preds and the NHL, the, the, the investments they're making into the football program, 
it just felt right that, that this, this was a program in the right position at the right time to do it. And, and we're really excited about the additional programming we think we can do. Um, I think, I think there's opportunities for our presidents to do some things together, faculty, certainly the bands beyond halftime, we gotta take advantage of that. So it's, it's just a great opportunity and they just felt like the perfect partner that they could make it work was, was just fortuitous for us. Yeah, a lot of uh, black college national championships that Tennessee State is one that Jack Swarbrick was referring to and uh, the big alumni, Richard Dent, Chicago Bears, Ed Tutal Jones, formerly of the Dallas Cowboys, among their uh, most notable alumni. We, uh, we talked yesterday about the fact that Notre Dame men's basketball did something that Power 5 schools don't do this season. On Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Mike Bray took his men's basketball team on the road to Howard. It was a nationally televised afternoon game. They played at Howard. They won a, um, a very close game against Howard. But uh, how much did that factor into this? Well, Coach Bray claims 100% credit for this, so that's just, uh, I got to give it to him. But uh, we had been talking about this for a while, but the success of that and, and, and all the benefits we saw for our student-athletes and the university sort of accelerated our desire to get this done. Yeah, so uh, not, not huge, but uh, in there anyway, nonetheless, and the... Um, Athletic director from Tennessee State University, Mickey Allen, there as well. And he was asked, because now they did not release the financial terms of this whole thing, but it is a uh, it is a paycheck game. Tennessee State is going to get some money for, uh, for coming here to play Notre Dame on September 2nd, 2023. So here is the Tennessee State University athletic director, Mickey Allen, on what impact that payday could have on the facilities at Tennessee State University. No, we're, we continue uh, to make investments, uh, not only in our football program, but holistically uh, in our student athlete development programs, uh, like you referenced our facilities uh, to advance our programs. We know that uh, we need support. And so this game guarantee uh, is something that will be special, but we're also getting private funding and people in our in our big blue community are really buying into what we're doing. Uh, like the legendary Jack said, our trajectory is through the roof and uh, it has a lot to do with our leadership, uh, our distinguished president, Dr. Glover. Uh, you know, when we talked about this hire, we knew that things would come along with hiring Eddie George. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's not a gimmick. We want it to be real, and we want it to be sustained excellence. And that's what we're doing at the Tennessee State University. And let me just add, Dr. Allen negotiated for a bigger guarantee than we budgeted. <laughs> <laughs> I look around here. Y'all can make it happen. I, I think y'all doing really well around here. I so <laughs> it's a drop in the bucket. <laughs> Some levity there from Eddie George at the end. Uh, yes, indeed. But, I mean, let's be honest. You know, again, Tennessee State is is uh, going to benefit quite greatly um, out of this whole thing. Again, even though they didn't want to talk specifics on what it means to them, their facilities. But, you know, it's going to raise their profile quite a bit to get a nationally televised game at Notre Dame Stadium um, out of this deal in 
23. From a Notre Dame standpoint, this game is going to be played. It is going to be it's the home opener in 2023, but it's the second game of the season. And I'll get more into detail on their schedule here in just a second. But Notre Dame is going to open the season August 26th in Dublin, Ireland against Navy. And what the Irish have done previous times they have gone to Navy, or at least the last time they went to Navy, they took the next week off and and then had uh, another game the week after that. And I believe that was the plan when they were supposed to play in Dublin a couple of years ago, but that game obviously got canceled, as did most games because of the pandemic. Nothing happened overseas. but So they're going to open the season August 26th in Dublin, Ireland against the Midshipmen, and then the next week, September 2nd, they will host Tennessee State. So here's Jack Swarbrick on you know, the uh, why play the week after the Navy game. Um, a little bit had to do with the, the annual exercise we, we go through of working with Marcus in this case to say, when do we want the buys to fall? How, what should that look like? And we had originally talked about a buy in this date, but to take your buy so early in the season um, isn't a great idea. And so as we started to talk about this, we said, gee, what if we move the buy and use this date? And it, 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 it meant it worked for Tennessee State and it worked for us. So that's what made it happen. So that was really the only question that came up today. And because of the logistics of our studio, I was not able to ask any questions on Zoom or anything like that. It was offered on Zoom as well as some people in attendance. Not a ton of questions asked, but well, what, 10 or 12, something like that. I guess the only one that really had anything to do with winning or losing or, you know, how you strategize your schedule and winning football games and things like that. Here's what the schedule looks like for Notre Dame now in 2023 with Tennessee State. Again, they open August 26th in Dublin against Navy. The following week, home opener, Tennessee State. And then two weeks later, September 16th, against Central Michigan. September 23rd, they host Ohio State. October 14th, they host USC. October 28th, they host Wake Forest. November 4th at Clemson. And November 25th at Stanford. Now, those are not the only games. There are other games, uh, four other games, four other teams, you know, games that, that Notre Dame will play this uh, that season at Duke, at Louisville, at North Carolina State, and they will host Pittsburgh dates for those games have not been announced so like if you were listening to those dates there are gaps in the schedule still that have not been filled in so uh, those are typically you know determined more by the ACC since those are all against ACC teams but Notre Dame I would imagine would uh, have at least some say as far as as what Jack Swarbrick was just referencing where they want their buy to come and that kind of Things. So uh, the home schedule for 2023, Tennessee State, Central Michigan, Ohio State, USC, Wake Forest, and Pittsburgh. Now, obviously, the Ohio State game will be well attended, could end up being the lowest attended Notre Dame home season in modern history, though, when you look at that schedule, because attendance has been down. It was uh, it was down across college football last year, historically down. Some of the uh, worst attendance in uh, the last 40 or so years of college football. And it's been down, we know, at Notre Dame Stadium as well. So I'll be curious to see you know, what that schedule brings with Tennessee State, Central Michigan, Wake Forest, Pittsburgh, 
um, along with the Ohio State and USC games as well. Those are the two marquee games. You have two really marquee games, one really marquee game, another kind of dependent upon what USC is. You know, you would still expect it to be pretty well attended, but then you know, Wake Forest, Pittsburgh, Tennessee State, Central Michigan. So interesting there. Um, oh, oh, I wanted to get to one final question and this one came up at the end they actually let some student in by the name of jerome uh, who got to ask a question of eddie george at the end of the press conference today um, yeah this question is for uh yeah, press credentials coach... <laughs> right, right, right. it's uh, this question is for coach george as a, a soon-to-be alumni of notre dame uh we we believe every game that we're going to win. Uh, I, I know you personally uh, and your commitment to uh, competition. Do you believe that you can win this football game? Without a doubt. <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt. I've got to get you on the hook for that, Coach. Thank you. <laughs> and, of course, that was Jerome Bettis, the Notre Dame student who was asking that question, and apparently he walked in with uh, Jack Swarbrick and Eddie George today. So a couple of uh, NFL alums there. Jerome Bettis asking Eddie George, the head coach at Tennessee State, the question. So we'll take a timeout. When we come back, Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com will join me. We'll talk about this and more Notre Dame football as well. We're brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, save money on home and auto insurance with Tim. Serving both Indiana and Michigan, call 574-232-9981. Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And Wings Etc. Grill and Pub with 14 Michiana area locations. Step in today or order online at togo.wingsetc.com. More Notre Dame football talk coming up next with Brian Driscoll on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. And Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat rolls on along now with Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com. Sean Styers on this Wednesday. How are you today, Mr. Driscoll? doing wonderful. It's a uh, beautiful sunny day here in South Bend. Going to go hang out with my wife a little bit tonight. So it's kind of our anniversary week, so it's oh, been, a, been a good day. Congratulations. Yeah. How many years now? Yeah. 14. Can 14. you believe she's put up with me for 14 years? Seriously. I mean, come on. She's a saint. <laughs> <laughs> so is somebody giving her a medal or anything? Or? <laughs> <laughs> Cook her a real nice meal. That's all well, there you go. That's, you know, that's something. That's something. <laughs> All right, so I uh, I played you know a lot of the audio from the press conference today. Jack Swarbrick, Marcus Freeman, Eddie George, Mickey Allen from Tennessee State. Notre Dame is going to for the first time ever play both an HBCU school and an FCS school, all rolled into one. Tennessee State September second uh, of next year. So the floor is yours. What do you think about this? 
You know, my, my issue with this whole discussion is, is it feels like people are kind of getting on one side and not hearing the other side. And, you know, my frustration is, is I can <laughs> Gee, see. Gee, that never happens in this country, right, Brian. Know, Come right. on. Exactly. Especially now, we are so evolved and so willing to be open-minded to other people's sides. Yes. I, I, I mean, look, you, you can't say that there's not positives that can come out of this game, and you're foolish to pretend like there's not negatives for doing this, right? And right. It's not are, an all or nothing. It's not an no, all. There, not. there can it's be not. both sides. In exactly. It. Yeah. And and I can understand the the reasons why and still think it's not a good thing in right now based on the current landscape of college football. The positives are I mean, look, if you don't think this is going to be noticed by by young African American players and their families, you're kidding yourself because this is Notre Dame who has a a long history of doing things like this going all the way back to you know, when Newt Rockney was coach and the Notre Dame football players took off in town to fight the KKK, whether it was Father Hesburgh's, you know, very active involvement in the civil rights movement in the 1950s and 60s mm-hmm. and all those type of things. Notre Dame has a history of doing things like this. And I understand all that. And I think there'll be recruiting benefits of it. I think there'll be perception benefits of it. I think they're going to help Tennessee State out, obviously, because the payday is going to be big. I didn't like the fact that Tennessee State acted like, you know, well, we had to negotiate. Like Notre Dame had to beg us and give us more money. That kind of annoyed me. <laughs> Um, you know, but, uh, but at the same time, that's all fine and dandy. And I can say that's cool and that's great and all that sounds wonderful. But at the same time say, okay, but address how this impacts your college football playoff resume. And it bothered me that Jack Swarbrick and coach Freeman didn't even mention that. The only person that mentioned that was the AD at Tennessee state right. in regards to the fact that this is Notre Dame's first time playing the FCS. And the reason that matters and, the, and, and what I ultimately care about is all the good feelings and the good vibes and the positive, all that doesn't get you a playoff spot. Exactly. Right? Exactly. What gets you a playoff spot is your resume. And when you cannot play a, a conference championship game and you're only going to play FBS, you know, 11 FBS teams, if you're 12 and 0, it doesn't matter. But if you're 11 and 1, you no longer have the whole, well, you don't get, you know, if another one loss team, you don't get your 11th win over an FBS team till your conference championship game. That's been Notre Dame's thing. You know, we only play FBS teams. So if we're 11 and 1, we have the same record against FBS teams as you do. Yep. Right? When all these SEC teams play FCS teams, well, that's gone. And, you know, for people who say, well, you know, look, you know, FCS teams are about the same as the, you know, Bowling Green in New Mexico. I, I've pointed that. That's so easily disprovable. Yeah. I mean, Bowling Green is, you know, one year beat a, like, or New Mexico one year beat a 9 and 3 FCS team. Notre Dame beat Georgia Tech this year. What was it? 45 to nothing. Georgia Tech curb stomped an FCS team that made the playoffs. You know, so I mean, so I, I looked, I pointed this out. The FBS teams this year went six, FBF, FCS playoff teams this year went six and 12 against FBS teams. And the, and the wins were like seven and six Tulsa, four and eight Washington, uh, four, uh, two and 10 Vanderbilt, two and 10. I mean, right. it was like one and 11. They're UConn. all lower level. Yeah. The right. lower level Outs- FBS. Teams. Exactly. Yeah. Outside of North Dakota state, like James Madison and like three or four teams, there's a huge difference from the worst teams in the FBS and a top 25 team in FCS. And if you can't understand that, then you really don't know what you're talking about. I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, you know, and again, I point out a team like Georgia Tech can go three and nine, and one of their three wins was a forty-five to seventeen win over a Kennesaw State team that not only made the playoffs, won a game in the playoffs at the FCS level. So, you know, if you don't realize how that's going to hurt your college football playoff, potentially hurt your playoff resume, you know, and say, well, no, Notre Dame's got to go twelve and zero anyway. No, they don't. There's no evidence of that. Notre right. Dame made the playoff in two thousand twenty with a loss. 
Notre Dame made the playoffs uh, or would have made the playoffs in 2017 if with a loss because if they would have beat Miami and Stanford, they're in the playoffs. They were the three seed at the time they lost to Miami. You know, they were in the top four with a loss in 2015. There's no evidence that Notre Dame has to go 12-0. Now, however, that's a much stronger case. Now you've pretty much said if you don't go undefeated against a schedule that has Ohio State, Clemson, and USC on it, you're going to have a tough time getting to the championship. So, But as long as you feel good about yourself, you know, it, it, I guess that was a snarky comment. I shouldn't have said that because but it's, uh, you know, I, I do appreciate the positives of this kind of thing. But right. to not even address the, the cons- legitimate concerns that Notre Dame has, Notre Dame fans have, it's just another example to me for all the wonderful things Jack Swarbrick has done and to build up these programs. The constant dismissal of how your decisions impact the people that are behind the fact that you are a billion-dollar industry continues to really, really bother me. And is 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 the goal to win net, you know, and compete for national championships or not? Because this does not right. help you accomplish. There, yes, there are still a lot of good things which we we've yes. talked about, but this does not help accomplish the most important goal, which is to win it, a national it, championship. Right, and it doesn't hurt you from the standpoint of if you win all your games, you're not going to not have success in the postseason because you played Tennessee State. I, I don't believe that, uh, but it, it it could help you not hurt you not getting there, and that's that's the concern. That's the issue right. that I have, and to exactly. not even address it as if it doesn't matter or is not a thing. Just you know, I I just found it short sighted, and and um, you know, it's like you're just pretending it's not there, and. And, you know, it just it's just a constant thing of like you just it's like I don't think that they really care that the FCS thing was a, a point of pride for for fans. And the reason I don't think they care, it's not that you scheduling this game shows you you don't care. It's the fact that you didn't even address that it's an issue or or explain why you made this decision at the time to to give up on this. It's like for them, it wasn't even for for Jack Swarbrick. It wasn't even a thing. I don't expect Marcus Freeman to have that same appreciation. He's been here a year. Right. You know what I mean? He's not a Notre Dame guy. He hasn't been here over a decade like Jack Swarbrick has. For Jack Swarbrick to not address that, I think it was a, was an unforced error. And, you know, and, and, and all the fans that you had a chance to reach fans and get them to understand why you're doing this, and they really didn't, in my opinion. Yeah. They really didn't do that. But essentially, the large benefit – you know who benefits from this that was addressed in the press conference today was mostly about Tennessee State. There's far more yes. benefit to Tennessee State. In no, all this. Notre Dame did nothing to 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 advocate why this is good for Notre Dame. Right now, it's like Jack Swarbrick was there to to talk about why it was great for Tennessee State. Because now the other yeah. aspect of this, Brian, is when you look at the schedule now that season, especially the home schedule. College football attendance took a took a big has taken a steady nosedive over the last mm-hmm. six or seven years, bottoming out last year, lowest attendance in like 40 years last year. Here's Notre Dame's home schedule. Tennessee State, Central Michigan, okay, Ohio State, USC, obviously two mm-hmm. premier games, but then you've got Wake Forest and Pittsburgh. It's not mm-hmm. going to make a lot of people run out and buy season tickets no. for 2023. Well, what it's going to be is is when they play Tennessee State, there's going to be a ton of Tennessee State fans in right. the stands. right. right. When they play Ohio State, there's going to be a lot of scarlet and gray in the stands. Yeah. I mean, it's like – and Notre Dame just refuses to even act like this is a problem, you know. And, and it, you know, like you said, it's another example of them just really not addressing the things that are that are important. But at the end of the day, the, the home attendance thing doesn't really impact championships. And and that's the big thing for me. You know, it, it's, it's – I don't know if you would have played 
you know, Kansas State, if that would have moved the needle from a home scheduling standpoint either. That is more about the ACC. And until the ACC True. gets better, this is going to be a problem for Notre Dame. Yeah. Because I don't think anyone that – unless Notre Dame would have scheduled – Alabama, which that had been stupid because now you got to play, you know, like an, an Alabama type of program or Texas or, you know, an Oklahoma. And now you've got Oklahoma, you know, that team plus Ohio State plus Clemson plus USC on your schedule. So in that regards, I don't, I don't, that doesn't bother me too much because I, I don't know if it would have, you know, any kind of program that would have been a draw, you know, attendance wise. What, the argument would have been the same. Like you're not giving your team a, ch- can pay, comp- a chance to compete for championship because your schedule is way too challenging at that point in time. So that would have been my counter to that. Yeah, and, it doesn't bother me as much. And I, and, I, and I get what you're saying, but like even from you know from Notre Dame's pocketbook standpoint, like you said, you know, for a handful of those games there, are, are are you just renting your stadium out to the other team now because that's but what for you're a Notre Dame get. pocketbook standpoint, they're yeah. still going to make money exactly because those teams, those exactly. people are going to pay more money and the, you know so so that's but that at the end of the day that that's what Notre Dame cares about. Let's be honest about that. Like there's no disputing that that's what Notre Dame cares about. You yeah. know, like and the whole well look what the basketball team. What did playing Howard do for the basketball team? Like because it didn't help their playoff. It didn't help their resume. They went 15 and five in the ACC and were an 11 seed. Right? right. I mean, so and the other thing, too, is, is that's not a good argument because there's two bad arguments people have made. Number one is, well, the basketball team played Howard. Howard's a division one team. Notre Dame's a division one team. It's different. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's apples it's, to oranges. It's di- yeah, it's it's different in basketball. Obviously. Number two, the whole, well, Alabama does it. Well, when Notre Dame wins six championships in a 12-year period, then Notre Dame can get away with playing an FCS team and it not count against them. <laughs> yeah, and Alabama right? plays in the SEC, plus they have a conference that, championship game now, where they're going to play a team uh, whether, somewhere whether around, the SEC, you know. Right, but whether the SEC is legitimately a great conference or not, the perception is that they play in the SEC. Right, even right. if they, you know, they don't and that's, have to play that's my point. Of, they play in the right, SEC. Exactly, <laughs> and, and they're going to get that benefit of the doubt where Notre Dame is not. And so we have to have – we can have a conversation about this, and there's, there's legitimately good points to make on both sides. And at the end of the day, I will say this. If you're going to play an FCS team, I'd rather it be something like this. That is the one thing I'm adding. I would about. agree with like, that. I would if agree with that. It would have been an Indiana State or an Illinois State or Youngstown. It, it, that's literally just a game, a, a, a game to, to, to pay a team not a lot of money to beat the mess out of to get your backups work. I do like the standpoint of if you're going to play a game like this, make it meaningful. You know, and this is an HBCU. It's in my opinion, and I, I believe this is the closest HBCU that plays at the Division One or One AA level. I know Central States in Ohio, but they're Division Two, I believe, or NAIA, one of those. Um, I can't remember. I think they're Division Two, and, and and you know you talk about it. You know, it's like what five and a half hours away. It's in a state that you'd like to recruit more. There's a lot of benefits to if you're going to do this. It being a program like Tennessee State, that's that, that, that then sell that angle more. But again, Notre Dame didn't even address that. They right. act like they, they acted like for from the way Notre Dame was talking, this was like. You know, hey, we're just doing a solid for Tennessee State without explaining how this is good for their program. I mean, it was it was strange. Like, it, they should have had the press conference they had today at Tennessee State, the way that it was. <laughs> That's, I mean, like, seriously, because they t- you know they talked about the band and the thing with the band is going to be great and all that stuff is true. But they they do, didn't even really talk about it. Like to me, well, that yeah. would have been something I'm interested by. Like, tell me, is there going to be a battle of the bands but, before the games? Or like that would have been sweet. I'd but at the same time, like it's like okay that. 
they they don't show the bans on but TV, it, right? Because that's talked about all the time. Right. Fans complain about that all the time. They don't even show the Notre Dame ban. Right. But here's the thing. I guarantee you the ban gets airtime that week. Right. Right. Because you know, if they do it right, then that's the thing is I don't have a lot of faith that Notre Dame's going to do it right. That that that's my concern. And again, this is about this isn't about Marcus Freeman and his coaching staff. They're going to put a great product on the field, in my opinion. This is about the leadership of Notre Dame. And it's just again, it's a missed opportunity. And when you don't explain it, then the, the the negatives that people say about it, which I don't necessarily buy, I don't think this like people say, well, this is a this is a PR move or just a social justice move, and I'm like, no, nah, I don't really I don't really go there with you because I do think there's legitimate merit to to this. There's been a push to try to help build up but HBCUs for a while now because these did used to be premier academic institutions, and there's a lot of reasons why they're not anymore, or at least not the perception was. You know, so so let's have that conversation, right? Like like promote that stuff more because when you just ignore it, you're not really you're not really answering a lot of the questions that people have about why you would you would schedule a game like this and just get you know and and just completely eliminate something that. Uh, 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 Notre Dame fans, by and large, take a lot of pride in that whole we've never played an FCS team. Mm-hmm. They take a lot of pride in it. I mean, it's talked about every year in November. Every year in November since the playoff started. Yeah, because and to when, just when, not, and when, pretend like it didn't happen, like it doesn't matter. Just mm. when these narratives about you know the, the lack, you know whatever's lacking on Notre Dame's schedule and who they beat and didn't beat, and, and obviously they they're not in a conference. conference and they're not in a conference championship game. Right. That's the first thing and, and most important thing you can say. Right. Never played it in FCS school, but that's gone now. So and not just so that, but why I, I, it would have been it, right. It would have been I'm worth sure. addressing why whatever exactly. these benefits are outweigh giving that up. It would have been every worth single November today. that every every November that that gets brought up by SEC fans or the national media. I always say it's not until the, the title, the conference title game that that team plays a 12th FBS game. Right. That Notre Dame plays every year. Right. It's not until then that that happens. I can't say that anymore. It, and so and so now unless and this is the whole thing Notre Dame always had a, a thinner margin for error to get in the playoff they just made it thinner and 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 they're pretending like it didn't happen and that's the legitimate concerns that some people have that that I felt they should have addressed that they didn't and I was a little frustrated by the fact that they kind of cut that thing short like nobody else had any more questions you know what I mean like yeah. Yeah, whatever but that's a whole different conversation for a different day but all right um, I understand it I get it I think there's some really cool aspects of it but at the end of the day, the the thing that matters most to me, Sean, is does this help you compete for a championship? And you can't explain the answers no. that it does. All right, real quick, uh, they also picked up a grad transfer from Harvard today, Chris Smith. So let's talk about a guy who's going to be on the field, presumably, for Notre Dame next year. Chris yes. Smith from Harvard defensive tackle. What do you think about him? Well, it's a good pickup. And, and, and I'm, I'm working on an article now, actually. I had to take a pause because, you know, I wanted to come on the show with you. But the thing I'm saying is what, what no matter what, this is going to help Notre Dame. And by that, I mean either, A, he's going to come in and play well. He was a first-team All-Ivy League kid this year. He's 6'2", about 295. He's he's a quick. He's a pen. It reminds me a lot of Jacob Lacey as a player. Like, okay. really similar to Jacob Lacey as a player. Um, but if he is playing it means he's earned that playing time. If he's not playing, it means other guys have played better than him. And either way, it helps your depth chart. So I think that they needed another body, especially with Aiden Kiana getting injured. They needed another body inside, especially with some injury history with, you know, Jacob Lacey and some other guys. And, you know, this is a young man that clearly understands the academic rigors that go, I mean, with the Harvard, right? He understands, you know, difficult classes and, and workloads and all that. He's going to be a graduate student. 
and he's going to, at the very least, give you good depth. And at the most, he's going to beat some dudes out and get some playing time. I think more likely he gives you 10 to 15 snaps a game and he solidifies your depth and you know gives you an, a, a pretty athletic penetrator that's got a little meat to him, uh, which is something they're, they're lacking a little bit of from a number standpoint. So there's no drawbacks to this as long as he has to earn his playing time which is was my big issue with the grad transfer they had on the offensive line last year. If you're just going <laughs> to plug him in there because he's here, right. that's a mistake. But if he earns his playing time, then then that's going to make you a better defensive line, and, and I think it's a, a good move. And I would like to see them make a similar wide receiver move now that Joe Wilkins is battling his injury. So Absolutely. I would like to see one more of these uh, moving forward. All right, real quick, what, what else is going on at irishbreakdown.com? Well, we're obviously talking about the, the Chris Smith stuff, a lot of recruiting stuff. Notre Dame is hosting a 2022 running back, Jabron Payne, this weekend, uh, which is interesting. He had originally signed with Indiana because he wanted to play for Deland McCullough. Ah. So he's going to visit Notre Dame this weekend, and there's a there's a chance. Notre Dame's in a good position to where they could maybe add another player. So they, they're going to get a late – potentially could get a late addition, but uh, it's not a transfer. It's actually going to be an incoming freshman from right. Cincinnati. Sounds good. I will talk to you next week. Thanks, Brian. Sounds good. See you, Sean. All right. Brian Driscoll, irishbreakdown.com. We will take a timeout. More Budweiser's weekday sports beat is coming up next. A little bit behind you'll hear from Kyron Williams at the start of the 6 o'clock hour, and Jim Irizarry is going to join me as well for Rapid Fire. That's coming up on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Yeah. Got a Sports Center update coming up here in just a minute. You'll hear from Kyron Williams. As well, we've uh, got baseball coming back. Cubs and Brewers tomorrow afternoon, 2:20. That'll be pretty much the uh, first game of the season. Cal Hendricks, Corbin Burns on the mound. White Sox don't play till Friday afternoon. They'll play Detroit. Lucas Giolito, Eduardo Rodriguez, the two pitchers in that game. And the South Bend Cubs, fingers crossed, they'll open their season Friday night, 7:05, Four Winds Field, when they host Quad Cities, the River Bandits, pregame performance by the Grooveheads, postgame fireworks, first 2,000 fans through the gates are going to get a free magnet schedule, and we'll have the pregame here on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT, 6:45 Friday, and of course, the Masters get started tomorrow, Tiger Woods. Says he's going to play, and it's like, well, I think it's, what, 10.30, 10.45 tomorrow morning is uh, when he uh, tees off. So uh, there'll be a live Corona premiere golf show Saturday morning from 8 until 9 o'clock here on WSBT. Darren Pritchett, Tim Firestone out at Blackthorn. So that is all coming up. Sports Center Update is coming up next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. You're listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. With Sean Styers on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Second hour of Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Jimmy Rizzeri is going to join me for rapid fire here in a little bit. First, though, Kyron Williams was on Good Morning Football uh, with on the NFL Network with the Good Morning Football crew, and uh, thought I would uh, play that short interview for you right now of course coming up here at the end of the month we're going to hear his name called at some point in the nfl draft so here is kyron williams with good morning football on the nfl network 
It's great when we are joined by the top running back prospects in the 22 NFL draft. He's up there in that list, and he was an All-AC selection, a Paul Horning Award finalist for the nation's most versatile player, and a two-time Russian leader for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Please welcome running back Kyron Williams. What's up, Kyron? Yes, sir. How you guys doing? I'm glad to be on the show. You know, I grew up watching this show, so you know, I'm just I'm glad to be here and actually talk to you guys. And grew up. <laughs> learn, learn some things from you guys and, you know, from me. All right, so let's we're burying the lead here. All right, so you say you grew up watching the show. Now we started the show in 2016, so I'm serious. Were you, were you in what, like, like eighth grade or something? No, I was in high school still, but I would still like come home and the show would be on. Like my dad would be watching it, so like it wasn't like I've always the, the voices are recognizable. I was you know, I was a freshman in high school when um, in 2016, so like it's just like you know I just I'm able to um, recognize you guys and your voices and everything that you guys do. Well, we're cool. incredibly flattered. This 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 would be like Peter Schrager being on with Johnny Carson or something like that. <laughs> now you're on the show, and let's talk, never mind us. Let's talk about you. Um, dude, you can do it all. That's why you were nominated for the Versatility Award. You can run through guys. You can run around guys. You can catch. You can block. You can do everything. When you get the ball in your hands, what are you thinking? What's your mindset as a ball carrier? Really is to not to be denied. Um, when it really comes down to it, if it's in between the tackles, it's the first person has to eat dirt. So that's what, um, as running backs, we always emphasize that no matter what it is, if it's in between the tackles, then boom, that first person, whoever, you know, blitz in the gap or whoever's, you know, just filling the gap in that person has to miss. We can't let him take, the first person can't take it down. And also it's just a mindset to, you know, just create explosive plays. Like I want to be the best person on the field for my team. Um, and I just want to be able to, you know, get the ball in my hand and be able to make those plays so that it sets us up for, you know, good opportunities to get in the um, in the end zone or even, you know, just set us up for um, a play that we always want to come to and, you know, create a bigger play than what we had before. You know, I was, I was on the call at the Combine, and you're doing your drills, and I just kept on like, I, I feel like I know you because I've watched you at Notre Dame for all of these years, and in the biggest games, you put up your biggest numbers, and you put, scored a ton of touchdowns. When your name comes up, one of the first things people talk about is your pass protection. That's not what I look at as a, as a person watching the game in real time. I look at the touchdowns, the yards. Tell us about what you do in the pass pro game and what separates you from other running backs in this draft. Yeah, I just want to start by what you were saying, like, I'm not just a pass pro and back. Like I can do it all. Like um, it just being able to be to me being able to be a complete bat is the biggest thing that um, I see myself as. You know, being able not to come off the field and push on third down when I do have to. You know, step up and pass pro. Like it's just a mindset that you know I'm gonna be the I'm the one that's gonna hit you first before you hit me because I know you're not expecting it. So if I'm able to you know um, close the close the space and get to you early and get on um, get my hands on you and you know block you earlier than what you thought it was, it's, it's gonna be a surprise for you. So you know that's what I try to key on when I'm you know in pass pro and I see the linebackers coming like close the space and deliver the blow first because they're not going to be they're not going to be expecting it i like it. hey kyron Emmanuel sanders here hey so obviously uh in the nfl like you, you put a lot of emphasis on being able to run the football but also be able to catch the ball out of the backfield uh what's something uh in your workout that you do do you put a lot of emphasis on catching the ball out of the backfield i see you were third in receptions uh last year as well so do you put emphasis on that yeah i pride myself in being the most versatile back um no matter what team that I'm on, no matter what stage of life that I'm on. Like, I've, I've uh, played receiver since uh, my sophomore year of high school. Like, that's where I started at. It wasn't until, like, my junior year that I started playing running back. So, like, those natural things of, like, that a wide receiver possesses with, you know, catching with their hands and their eyes, you know, it's just natural. It's not forced. Like, those are the things that I do. I do well because, you know, I was 
able to be a receiver. I was able to have those real life reps of being in the slot against game against game times and all that. So when it came to college, it was no different. Like I, um, I brought went to Canada practice. I told Coach Reese like, be able to allow, allow me to be able to do everything that I do and show me and showcase me in this office. And that's I think that's what Coach Reese you know did really well. Like he was able to you know, move me around and create up these different mismatches just for um, our team and for myself as well to be successful. All right. You grew up in the St. Louis area, and you were a huge fan of running uh, of Rams running back Stephen Jackson. Now, Matt Hamilton, who comes up with a lot of fun nuggets for us, I can't take credit for this, but he told me that there was a rumor that you love Jackson so much that you used to wear a Dora the Explorer wig because you wanted to emulate his dreads. Now, my first question is, is that true? Secondly, guys, I don't have kids, but I thought Dora the Explorer had a blunt cut with bangs. So yeah. how did you pull that one off? Mm, good question. All right, so that's actually a good question. So my first answer to your question is, um, yeah, like Stephen Jackson was was like my idol growing up in St. Louis. Like I was at every Rams home game on Sunday, watching the Rams and doing, seeing what they do, and um, being able to see Stephen Jackson like just be the most dominant person on the field as a young person, and you know just looking up to him. It's like that's exactly who I want to be. That's exactly who I want to um, see myself as. And like going back to the wig thing was like. I've always wanted my hair to come out my my helmet, no matter what age I was at. Like that was my one goal. I've always wanted my hair to come out my helmet because, you know, like Troy Polamalu, um, Stephen Jackson, like those guys that were you know making plays always had their hair out their helmet. So like um, for that um, Halloween idea, I was like, my sister had a wig. I'm not sure if it was Doris for. I thought it was. It might have not been. But she had a wig that had long hair, and I had a fake um, Rams uniform that had Stephen Jackson's number, the pants, and the helmet. So like, I was literally like my version of Stephen Jackson on Halloween with the fake hair, and I had it was all the way down, halfway down my back. Like it was the real, the real dread that I wanted. <laughs> The Dora the Explorer wig, though, really gives me the mental pr picture that I was hoping for. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it was uh, Miss Frizzle from Magic School Bus. <laughs> nice. You know? Yeah. Uh, like that. Karen, your teammate Kyle Hamilton's also uh, foregoing his, his forego the Fiesta Bowl, and he's entering the NFL draft. We're hearing his stock could be anything from top five to like sliding to the 20s because of, of the position safety. Tell us about Kyle Hampton, what he brings to the table, and why a team would be smart to draft him in the top ten. With Kyle, like you get a, a, a true, complete football player. Like you get a guy that's disciplined, who guys that you know just loves this game and loves everything about it, and like he gives it his hundred and ten percent. Like I remember last year, um, while Kyle was Kyle was going through what he was going through, he was still a coach. Like he was coaching for us. Like. He wasn't just on the sideline watching practice. He had the pen and paper in his hand. Like he was doing things that a coach would do. So that just reflects the person of who Kyle is. And when when it comes on the football field, everything that he brings in life, it just naturally comes in football. And like he's able to do a lot of things that you know most people can't do because of the God-given abilities that he has. And um, I just know, like no matter where Kyle goes, like. Um, he's a football player, and at the end of the day, football players play football. So whether that's top, whether that's five, or whether that's twenty, like it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we have to do what we have to do, and that's play football. Mm, oh, that's how you talk Walk about a teammate. Now, this is it, and now this is why I'm so excited to ask you this question. So, Kyron, we have all these prospects come in, guys like yours, peers of yours who are going to go into the draft, and we always end the interview by saying, okay. 32 buildings across the league are watching. The GM, the owners, the executives, the coaches, they're watching right now. And they're thinking about maybe drafting you. We're going to give you the mm -hmm. floor right now to look at the camera and to tell those people why they should take you in the 2022 NFL draft. The floor is yours. 
So I hit it on it earlier, but I'm the most versatile back that um, has been in the, the draft, and especially in this draft in um, many years. Like I'm, I'm the guy that can line up, at, that can stay on the field all four downs, whether that's line up in the slot, whether that's line up out of the backfield catch routes, or whether that's line up in the backfield run inside and outside zone, and also stay in for pass pro. Like I don't think there is a complete back that can run the route tree, not just a five yard out, run the whole route tree out the slot and then go in the backfield the next day or the next play and run the inside zone. Like, I just think that um, my my God-given abilities, my um, just the pure passion that I have for this game, it just creates a difference. It creates a difference from myself and those other guys. So um, come April 28th, April 29th, like, whoever, whatever team gets me, they're going to get the best player. They're going to get the most dedicated player that's going to make sure that their team and their players and you know, everybody's just on the right track to get better each and every day because that's how I view myself. I view myself as a person who's going to push each other, push people each and every day to get better. And I hope the same. Um, I hope the same for the people who are around me. So I just think that no matter what team that gets me or no matter what they saw on, on um, the combine or anything, like turn on the film, they know exactly who I am. I'm a, I'm a ball player. This is what I didn't, I've been doing since I was in second grade and this is all I love. So um my whole heart's in this game, and I just like, there's no way I can take it out. So I'm just waiting for where I go to next. Love That's Kyron Williams. He's a ball player. He dropped the date of the draft on us. We have not heard that yet. <laughs> Somebody go and get him. He's in the slots. He's doing inside zone. He's doing it all. Kyron, it was great to meet you. Hey, I, I'm glad that you grew up with us. Sure. We want to grow up with you now in your career, my man. Hey, one day I'm gonna be out there with you guys. <laughs> Let's go. Come on now. Come on now. We can say we knew you when. That's uh, Kyron Williams with the Good Morning Football crew on the NFL Network. And a good close for him. I mean, he's he's working hard to convince uh, teams that uh, he is not just a third down back. And uh, I think anyone who saw him here at Notre Dame would agree with that. How that translates to the NFL, that's what he's going to have to prove. But uh, I think that uh, he's got a good shot at doing it and we'll see where he goes when he is drafted here in uh, just a few weeks at the end of the month when the nfl draft comes around it is the week after the blue gold game this year thank goodness take a time out jim irizari is going to join me next we've got rapid fire slew of topics coming up on budweiser's weekday sports beat Rapid Fire starts now on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. And now your host, Sean Styers. Rapid Fire time and Jim Irizarry sitting in the Rapid Fire hot seat tonight. How are you tonight, sir? Whoop! hold on. I've turned up, the, turned up the wrong thing. Go ahead. <laughs> yep. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. We on? We on? All right. I don't know. I don't know if this thing works or not. Well, so the Tennessee State thing. Jack Swarbrick mm-hmm. held a press conference today. I was going to play a soundbite for you on uh, why um, ultimately they decided to do this, but that question was never really answered. So I'll just ask you, do you buy or sell this? What do you think about Notre Dame Basically breaking tradition. They have never played an FCS. That, that to me, is the most important thing of this whole thing. I know there are mm-hmm. kind of di- some different aspects to it. What do you think about they're going to, as of right now, they're still the last FBS school never to play an FCS 
opponent. So what do you think of the fact that they are going to end that? Um, I'll get the easy win on the, on the resume. Why not? You know, if, if, if the college football playoff isn't going to call Alabama on the, you know, two or three <laughs> FCS schools that they play every year, uh, and also for being in a conference with Vanderbilt, for God's sakes, uh, then I, I don't, I don't think it should hurt Notre Dame at all. So, but it's different because they're in a conference. That's what works against Notre Dame. Alabama has the benefit of being in a conference in what is perceived to be at least you know they're one of the top two conferences, definitely the you know the Big Ten sure. and the SEC, and they get a conference championship game. You know that's why Notre Dame schedules up. That's why Notre Dame puts teams like Ohio State. Alabama in the future, you know, these other schools. That's why they put those games yeah. on the schedule to offset the fact that they don't play in a conference championship game. So it's a data point Notre Dame is not going to have, you know, because Alabama, the whoever's of the world, get that extra data point by getting that conference championship game. Notre Dame doesn't have that. If Notre Dame loses to Ohio State, USC, or Clemson in 2023, they're not going to the college football playoff. And part of it, the reason why – is going to be because they'll they'll have an FCS opponent on the schedule. It's good. It works against Notre Dame because Notre Dame is an independent. It's going to work against them in a way that it does not work against schools that are in conferences. So that's why I don't like it. I mean, twenty twenty three though. Let me let me pull up Alabama's schedule for for twenty twenty three real quick. I was actually doing this yesterday because uh, it, it apparently sparked a debate on, uh, on on Brian Driscoll's Twitter feed the other day. Uh, I saw that. Imagine I saw that. that. He and I talked but, about uh, this, obviously, <laughs> about an hour ago as well. I get what you're saying. Okay, but but here's here's the difference. Yeah. Because, again, if, if Alabama has an FCS school on its schedule, okay, so 11 of the 12 in the regular season are going to be against FBS teams. But then Alabama gets – the conference championship game, obviously assuming they're going to get, but we're using Alabama. Really, you can factor just about any SEC school in there who happens to play, you know, and, and they get in that conference championship game. So by getting the conference championship game, the SEC championship game, now they have 12 FBS opponents. Notre Dame will not have that. The most they can have is 11, no matter what. So that's that's then the difference. Join the conference. <laughs> join a conference then well Notre, if that Notre, data point means that much to you then join a conference well it's, you know, obviously like it the doesn't, only one left anyway obviously it doesn't matter to notre dame and they're not going to join a conference but that's right. that's yeah, the exactly. that's, that's the point of the argument against doing this for for whatever reason notre dame thinks that that the benefits outweigh this negative i don't agree with that so that's that's yeah. my point you know, but but I'm right. not the one making the decision. <laughs> so right, exactly. But you know, it's like you know, regardless of whoever is going to be in you know like that four seed in the college football playoff, the five, six, seven, and eight seeds are always going to call them out for X factor or whatever. You know, X factor, Y factor, whatever. So does it really matter anyway? We'll find out. You know, yeah, because yeah, again, Notre I Dame, guess. Notre oh. Dame, Notre Dame has never had this on their resume before. An FCS school, 
And that is the one thing yeah. that is held in Notre Dame's favor, no matter what anyone wanted to say about you know, what Notre Dame did or didn't have on their schedule, who they did or didn't play, the fact that they wanted to hold against Notre Dame, you know, the whole they're not in a conference. And they could always say, we have never played an FCS opponent. And virtually everyone in the SEC does. And many other schools, you know, play these FCS opponents. Notre Dame had never had that. They won't have that now. So, you know, part of it's going to depend on how they do against the rest of the schedule obviously, but yeah. we, we, you know, we will potentially find out what this means, you know, just, just how big a factor that is for Notre Dame, because they don't have that extra data point of being in a conference to be able to make that up. Because like in 2020, they got into the college football playoff with a loss, but that loss was also in a conference championship game. So even though it was a loss right. and against a quality opponent that worked in their favor, but they also didn't have an FCS opponent on their schedule that year. So, well, like I said, you know, like if if it's going to come down to that, then Notre Dame either has to, you know, poop or get off the pot about joining the conference. So that's that, just how I feel, and that's not having it. I happening. think I'm the only one on this island too. <laughs> no, I don't. Well, what, 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 which, which, which island? Because you know, like Darren did a Twitter poll. This, there, there are plenty of people who are perfectly fine with this and you know see the benefits outweighing this negative. To me, and I think Brian, you know, again, Brian and I talked about this an hour ago here on the show. We, we, we feel the same about this. The only question is when it comes to scheduling, does it help you on your, on your goal to winning a national championship? And I don't think scheduling an FCS, and I, 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 not I think I know scheduling an FCS opponent does not help you on that, on that goal. Once the college football playoff expands to twelve, you know that's what Notre Dame is waiting for at this point. And I just read yesterday where yeah. expansion is probably not going to be addressed for another year or so because they still have right. you know a few years left on, on the current contract before it has to be addressed, but. Once they expand, if it expands to 12, like, like you know, they initially came out and said they were going to last year, if it expands to 12, Notre Dame doesn't have anything to worry about, really, because then right. you know, it's, it's a completely different scenario. But for the next, what is it, three, four, I guess four years now, for the next four years with a four-team yeah. field, that's where this is a, is a much bigger factor, the fact that you're going to have, you know, opponent that does not, you know, that win does not count for your resume basically so all right all right let's move to the next question former duke basketball player jay williams says he could see coach k mike shashevsky pulling a tom brady and unretiring his reason is duke assistant and top recruiter nolan smith recently left duke to go to louisville here's a quote from jay williams quote it turns into recruiting battles, man, and it weakens your hold on the number one class. So if you're Coach K, how do you strengthen that hold? By coming back, end quote. So Jay Williams saying he thinks Coach K just might not retire. And it would be blank, Brian, if Coach K does indeed come back to Duke next year. Or or Jim. What did I say, Brian? <laughs> Brian, yeah. <laughs> 
Hey, you know. Um, Brian, Jim, six of one, half a dozen of the other. (laughs) We're we're both loud and obnoxious. You both have beards. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Glasses, beards, the whole thing. So, uh, I think I think it would be really dumb if Coach K comes back. Um, Let the man retire, for God's sake. You know, he's done enough already for that university, and if if it's recruiting that Jay Williams is all worried about, then hell, throw your hat in the ring and go recruit some guys to Duke. <laughs> or just go ask Nike <laughs> to pay somebody, I guess. Oh, that's never happened. Oh, Zion? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> right. Well, so, and that's I, I mean, hell, Adidas is doing it. So, To me, that would be the dumbest reason to come back because he's he's right. got he, – yeah, I mean – I don't mean this. I mean this for what it is. I I mean this pragmatically. He's either got to retire or pass away, right? So at some right. point, he's not going to be the Duke coach. At some point, you have to move on. <laughs> if coming back to save a recruiting class is your reason for coming back, it's a stupid reason because you know. Again, right. at some point, you've got to move on. You can't keep coming back, you know, to save recruiting classes. That can't be your reason for doing it mm-hmm. and we, they they just gave him the whole you know re, re, you know recruiting you know retirement tour not recruiting retirement tour you know like the the right. whole coach k swan song and all that stuff and and they got mad because north carolina didn't do enough in their regular season game in chapel hill you know to make him feel good about going out and retiring so he's got to move on at some point if if saving a recruiting class is the reason for coming back that's not a reason. I, I think it would be completely idiotic right. if that's the reason that he comes back. He, you know, it just everyone's got to retire at some point, and he, you know, he he did his best to put on the good face, and and you know, his whole Coach K, I, I love everybody at the end, and I, I I'm a, right. you know I'm above <laughs> you know whatever anger and emotion and and everything else that he typically would have had. So move on. He had a great career, five point. national championships. Right, exactly. And plus at this point, now you're now you're pissing off Mrs. K. And <laughs> you really want to go barking up that tree, man? I sure don't. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, Tiger Woods is looking like he's going to make his comeback at the Masters tomorrow. As of now, he's got a tee time tomorrow morning. And he's all indications are he is going to play. My question to you, Jim, scale of 1 to 10 how much does golf miss Tiger Woods? Uh, Fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I mean this. I mean this for every broadcast partner that that the PGA has. I mean this for every PGA fan. Uh, granted, I'm not speaking as a PGA fan. I could, you know, I, I could take or leave golf. Sure. But I'll say this: I I watch golf when Tiger's playing. That's it. Like there, there, there's something to you know. It's it's appointment television to to go watch that guy, and there is no he's he's still the unicorn, you know, uh, just one of the greatest player, you know, one of the greatest athletes that we've ever seen, and there's nobody in golf right now that's ready to take that on or has been able to take that on, you know, over the last yeah. you know. 10 or so years or so that, that he's had, you know, whatever health problems have come his way, personal problems, whatever. 
Um, yeah, they, I mean, they totally, totally miss him on a, on a 15. So. Yeah. I mean, that is exactly it right there. And I mean, the closest thing, like there are no other guys who move the needle. You know, there are no real now, now Phil Mickelson, I guess is it, but he's not even playing tomorrow. Obviously when you get past Phil Mickelson, like when you look at guys on the tour, now there are guys who golfers know and who casual, you know, casual fans of the sport probably know. Sure. But other than the Brooks Kepka Bryson DeChambeau feud, it's like what else is there right. in golf right now to move the needle? That is it, and even that has died down a little bit. And you know, yeah. you know, again, just just like with with Coach K, it's got to end sometime for Tiger Woods. You don't want to see it end the way that it was looking like it was going to end after that gruesome accident that he had 14 right. months ago. So for him to be able to come back, you know, is is great for him. One, he's still in his 40s. So it, it, he is just, he made the sport. You know, he elevated the sport so much in, in his time playing. And like all these young guys right now, whether it's, Kepka or Thomas or you know any of these guys that you're talking about like uh, uh, most of them are playing because of Tiger Woods and I, I think you're exactly right there's there's just like he is appointment TV and there's nobody else like him right now and he is set to uh, tee off tomorrow morning 1034 is his tee time Justin Thomas tees off in the group after him and I'm looking to Shambo tees off uh, in the group right before him, and I'm looking at some of the other tee times. Jose Maria Olazabal and JJ Spawn are the uh, the first two uh, at eight o'clock tomorrow morning, and I'm looking Fred Couples at eight thirty three, VJ Singh at eight forty four. You know, but yeah, I mean, so I I agree. Like, you know, scale of one to ten, yeah, I agree with your fifteen. <laughs> they they really need him. <laughs> And, and, you know, especially like at the Masters this weekend, you know, they they uh, they need him to be playing on on uh, on Saturday to really move it this weekend. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Be looking forward to that. All right. We'll take a time out when we come back. Jim and I have more rapid fire. We've got uh, a lot of baseball talk actually coming up and uh, some announcer talk as well concerning uh, some of our favorites and least favorites guys who call. March Madness for CBS. That's coming up next on Rapid Fire and Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT with Jimmy Rosari, Sean Styers. We've got more Rapid Fire coming your way right now. Jim. NCAA tournament, of course, just wrapped up on CBS, TBS, TNT, True, you know, True, you know, the whole, the whole uh, slew of uh, the whole family of Turner Network. That's right. That they put those games on. My question to you: Who are your favorite and least favorite announcers who call the games for those uh, stations? You mean just the play-by-play guys, or uh, you can you can throw you can throw analysts in there as well? Yeah. All right. I mean, I'll, I'll get on. I'll get on the the Bill Raftery love train going out like okay. every chance that I get. I can get on um, that too. <laughs> yeah, like you, that whole argument that you know, 
broadcasters don't make the games better, uh, wrong. He makes it more <laughs> enjoyable. He makes the Fox games more enjoyable. He makes the CBS games more enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's fun and also provides great insight to the game. Uh, you know, like he, hell, he saw, and he sees things that nobody else sees first. Like he saw. Oh. Yeah, the out of bounds uh, play. Dewan yeah, Harris. Dewan Harris on the, that immediately. Yeah, and that's <laughs> they don't. Grant Hill is solid, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't need a three man booth, you know. And maybe yeah. maybe they did it because Raft is older, and you know they wanted to have somebody kind of paired up who could take over after Raft retires or whatever. But I mean, to me, Raftery is head and shoulders better than Grant Hill. Grant Grant Hill is still pretty good but like you're saying it's like he he knows one the x's and o's and he he's still so sharp for a guy who is uh known for his late night shenanigans he's still <laughs> at his age he's you know? 79 i know i know he's 79 and could probably still drink me under the bar and he's still having a late night <laughs> remy <laughs> right exactly amazing <laughs> um I, I I like Ian Eagle too. I, I I like him on on really anything that he does. NFL, uh, he does some uh, some NBA stuff for for TNT. You know, does the the college games. I I like him uh, on I, a lot of the stuff that he does. I'll say so. I I like him. The, my my one knock on him is like a little bit of puns are good. But like you can take mm-hmm. you can take the puns too far, right? Like when Caleb yeah. Love yeah. was was having the massive game a couple games ago, it might have been I, I I think it might have been before the St. Peter's game. It was like love connection. All you need is love, and it was like every love pun you could come up with, he was dropping in. It's like okay, you know, I can take a couple of the puns. Yeah, it doesn't need to be the whole broadcast. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but that's I, I do appreciate his sense of humor. And like he and Raft have worked together before, I believe, you know, quite a bit as well. And and, and they're good mm-hmm. together when when they've done stuff together. I like I, I like Ian, Ian Eagle as well. I feel like he is more appreciated by a lot of the East Coast media, you know, as well. Yeah. So. Is that it? Um, Do you have any least favorite? Uh, Kevin Harlan, you know, is is always good too. I like Kevin Harlan. Reggie Miller, though, is awful. And whenever <laughs> you know, like Reggie Miller is so bad that that he makes a Kevin Harlan telecast unwatchable. I don't get I don't get the Reggie Miller hate because I don't pick that up. Like I, especially oh. those two. I think those two together are good. But you know, like. He was on top of the whoever it was from Indiana who dunked and held. I think it was Indiana held on to the rim, and you know was called for the technical foul. And he was right on top of it right away. He's like, no, 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 no. That should not be a technical. But I, right? I, I, I don't. Um, I don't mind Reggie Miller in in a you know like I know he gets a lot of hate. I, I I think he's, I think he's pretty good myself. Maybe it's just because he's paired with Harlan and I like Harlan quite a bit, but I think Reggie Miller does a pretty good job myself. That could be it. That could be it. Spiro Didis. Yeah, outside, outside of that, a lot of those guys, are they're all just kind of vanilla. Yeah. So Spiro Didis is probably my least favorite. I, I don't, and, I, and I I believe he, does he do Knicks 
now i'm not sure but he I is think so, yeah. he is yeah. he is low very low on my pecking order he does nfl for cbs as well i just i'm not a fan of his anytime i roll up on a game and spiro was doing a game it's like ugh, <laughs> stuck with this i mean yeah, I like. So, so you're watching a lot. So you're watching the fifth game on a lot of NFL coverage. Right? Anyway. <laughs> well, I do have I do have the Sunday ticket, you know, so I can. It's like, and that's ah, that's and, it is. and you know, let's let's not forget, you know, Bears this past season. I'm sure he did a Bears game or two. You know? Oh, I'm sure he did a couple. Yeah. So yeah, Harlan Harlan is obviously, you know, one of the top guys. I like Raft as well. I just really feel like, and and I, you know, and I've talked about this before i just feel like as little basketball as nance does nance is a pro and he is he is solid doing the basketball but to me like his flow of the game the way he caught you know like his his observations and just working with the crew i just it's like to me you can tell he only does basketball one month a year you know, he's he's a March basketball yeah. guy. And again, he's solid. Yeah. He's professional at everything. He's great at the golf. The Masters is obviously his big, big thing. He's good with Romo doing football. It's just basketball, not as much. I put I put Eagle and Harlan a couple pegs, you know, on the board above him at the top of my play-by-play guy list. So Yeah, I'm with you there. Okay. Well, speaking of uh, broadcast crews, ESPN2 – is going to do baseball's version of the Manning cast this season. Yankees play-by-play announcer Michael Kay, who also does talk radio in New York on, uh, I believe it's uh, the the uh, New York ESPN station, and Alex Rodriguez, and I don't have to tell you who he is. They're going to, it's been dubbed K-Rod with Michael Kay mm-hmm. and Alex Rodriguez. It's going to be the alternate Sunday night broadcast. Again, think Manning cast. So scale of 1 to 10, What's your interest level in this? Um, probably put it at like a three or so. I don't mind K when he, whenever the uh, a Yankee game is broadcast on the MLB network. I, you know, I'm I'm able to enjoy you know his broadcast. He sure. can be a little bit dry, but those those Yankees broadcasts are a little bit stuffy anyway. I I, th- I think that's more of a uh, edict from. <laughs> from on high, quite honestly, from right. you know, the top of Mount Steinbrenner. But, uh, you know, A-Rod does nothing for – like, he's a, he's a better studio analyst than a guy who is calling than, – than as a game analyst. See, and that's know? why I think he could be decent at this because, again, it's not going to be a straight – like, Kay isn't doing play-by-play, yeah. but he's going to be – it's going right. to be a casual deal. And I get – you know, it's going to be just like yeah. the Mannings. They're going to be doing this remotely. They're not going to be at the ballpark. Yeah. They're not going to be there for every Sunday night broadcast either. But mm-hmm. everyone's saying, well, Michael – They're going to be on their couches. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're, everyone's saying, well, Michael Kay can bring this. And that's – my curiosity for this is a 10. My – you know, past the first game, like, do I want to – I guess we'll see how this goes the first game. I'm not overly, I guess, interested. I'm just curious to see what it sounds like because just what you were saying, Rodriguez is definitely better doing studio stuff than he than he has been doing traditional Sunday night baseball. But yeah. this – I'm wondering what this sounds like for him. He was a big part of this, so we'll see, I guess. ESPN, A-Rod – unlistenable yes. fox a rod not bad much different much different 
So, All right. Yeah. Man, ESPN can't get enough of Manning cast, can they? No. No, they can't. <laughs> no, I mean, you really know, can. and we got the UConn cast, basically, for the women's Final Four yeah. with, with, with Bird and Tarasi. Right. So, yep. Yeah, so. All right, Jim. Uh, well, I got to wrap it up. Thanks for coming on. All For uh, filling in tonight. No problem. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy your next couple of days. Budweiser's weekday sports beat brought to you by Budweiser, Midland Engineering Company, Tim Ground State Farm Insurance, Four Winds Casinos, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, and Wings Etc. Grill and Pub. Major League Baseball season opener coming up tomorrow. Cubs and Brewers play the first game at 2.20 tomorrow afternoon. We've got South Bend Cubs Friday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Budweiser's weekday sports beat, WSBT South Bend. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.